Hello and welcome to Sharp China. I'm Andrew Sharp, and you are listening to a free preview of today's episode. For all the Chinese side that talk about you know end cold no Cold War thinking, they are thinking in a very sort of Cold War esque way, where they're they're really working extremely hard to delegitimize the U.S. led structure.、Mm-hmm. And you know, frankly, in in a lot of places, I mean, the Chinese talk about there's like a global development deficit, trust deficit. I think a Peace deficit, and you know they're not wrong, right? The world since the end of the Cold War, since since the early '90s, has seen a lot of conflict, and you know, again, if the Chinese are able to actually bring real solutions, then I think they're going to get a lot more countries to come around to their vision. We'll see. It's easy to hold meetings, and it's easy to put out press releases, and it's easy to announce initiatives. It's a lot harder to solve some of these problems that. That again, other really smart people have been trying to deal with for decades or longer. So, right, and, and you know, the United States is doing similar things around the world, also making the case about why China is so concerning and talking about the surveillance programs and everything else. And so, if, if from China's perspective, I'm sure they're saying, well, there's propaganda efforts on all sides coming from、mm-hmm. the Americans too. So. Um, yeah, it is. It's interesting to see like practical steps being taken in terms of multipolar worlds and everything else that she has been emphasizing over the last several years.、Um, and to that end, she plans to visit Russia as soon as next week. That's a headline from Reuters, and then from the Wall Street Journal, she plans to speak with Zelensky for the first time since the Ukraine war broke out. So we've talked about these possibilities a fair amount over the last couple months. It's not terribly shocking,、um, but what are you going to be watching for if she actually moves forward with these plans next week? Well, I think the Russia visit is not a surprise. That's been、um, talked about for 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 several weeks or longer,、uh, and also I think is、um, I don't know if it was one of the podcast listeners or one of my, one of the. I think we talked about it. One of the people on, on the on the cynicism in the comments pointed out for a long time there's been this sort of this reciprocal. Putin goes to China one year, then she goes to Russia the next, and so、yep. it's normally he would be going this year.、Um, that、I、was think, one of our emailers. Yeah, that was one of our emails. Thank you. Yep.、Um, but the、um, I, I think you know again she has not spoken with Zelensky since before Russia invaded. Um, it, it is one of those things that, for all the talk of China trying to act like it's somehow neutral,、um, the the fact that they, you know, she is not willing to talk, speak with Zelensky, I think, is a has been a pretty pretty big tell that、um, of where he his loyalties actually lie.、Um, so if he goes to Russia, one, I think, going to Moscow, he's probably not going there to tell Putin to knock it off and pull out and agree to a deal.、Mm-hmm. Um, And so, if that's if that's not what his message is, I think that's going to cause some issues in Europe, more more stress for、um, the the parts of EU and the PRC relationship.、Um, speaking with Zelensky, especially if he he sees Putin and they sort of say they're working on a peace deal, and then he, they they Chinese try and present their version of a peace deal, which pretty much meshes with the twelve point proposal they put out、uh, a few weeks ago, which EU. Ukraine, the U.S. I mean, you and the U.S. were pretty clear was not particularly viable.、Um, I think then speaking with Zelensky gives him cover because it, he can say, "I'm trying to be a statesman and trying to make peace," but these guys are unwilling. It's and it's because again, the message most likely would be, and it's because of the U.S. 
feeding the flames by leading this grouping to put all these weapons into Ukraine and continue the and continue the war. Um, and so um, I, I it would be great if you were actually able to play peacemaker and come up with a viable resolution to this awful war. Um, I would be surprised if it, that's what's going on versus some sort of a, a maneuver that's going to help. It's going to effectively make it look like he tried mm. and the Russians were willing. They were slapped down and then potentially that will be cover for the Chinese, the, the PRC and she to sort of deepen relationships with Russia it is, I think, um, quite possibly what might actually be going on here. I'm sorry to be so cynical. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope you're wrong, too. There's the best case scenario of what's happening here is that China has indications from the Russians that they're willing to come to some sort of resolution. And China wants to be seen as like the peace brokers. And this is all China wants to get the dividend of being the peacemaker. Right. And that's probably not realistic. Um, I saw the Washington Post describe China's stance as a pro-Russian neutrality. And um and that's both an oxymoron and seems like maybe the most accurate way to characterize the public approach to all of this on the PRC side. And, you know, hopefully they at least maintain the veneer of neutrality over the next couple of years because things will get really ugly if they don't. Yeah. And, and that's why the, the Zelensky call, like you, you can't go visit with Putin in Moscow and maintain any ideas of neutrality if you're not going to at least reach out to Zelensky for the first time in you know over a year and certainly since the conflict broke out so that that part of it isn't terribly surprising although I'll be curious to see how they characterize it once they put a readout together of, of what those two discuss and we'll see we'll see if it happens it hasn't been officially confirmed that the reporter the Wall Street Journal reporter who wrote about the Zelensky call is pretty reliable. So, um, you know, probably going to happen, but we'll, have, we'll talk about it maybe next week or the week after. Yep. Um, we'll continue monitoring. And then uh, speaking of Europe, there are two headlines. Um, first, there's fortune here. Germany and the Netherlands signal weakening of Europe's China tech ties. And they write, on Tuesday, German media reported that the government was set to tell its big telecommunications providers to rip out the Chinese gear that's pervasive in their 5G networks. Reuters subsequently confirmed that the government was considering the move without naming specific manufacturers, though the names Huawei and ZTE go without saying. China called the reported plan hasty and said it was very puzzled and strongly dissatisfied. If the if the German government really is planning to ban Huawei and ZTE's 5G equipment, it would be a significant economic and geopolitical step as China is Germany's biggest trade partner. What do you make of the German posture right now? This does seem like a big deal, and um, I'm curious whether you think it it will lead to more decoupling in, in that particular relationship? Uh, I mean, I think the Germans are kind of behind a lot of other countries and certainly the U S you know, has tried to get the Germans to take a tougher line on Huawei. Um, you know, we don't exactly know what drove the German response or the German decisions, but I think again, a lot of this Huawei and, and she, they can thank Putin because the invasion of Ukraine and this awful war in Europe um, has made it much harder for people who were sort of more amenable to working with the Chinese and arguing that Huawei wasn't so bad. It, it's made it much harder for them to make that argument and mm-hmm. much 
fewer people are willing to listen to that. Um, and so I think part of it is, um, you know, part, part of it is, is just the sort of a general shift in the views of the PRC, given sort of this way that the, the Chinese have been leaning towards the Russians in this conflict. Right. It's sort of clarifying alliances on all sides. Yeah. 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 Um, well, and then there's also the UK and Australia representatives from both countries were alongside Biden in San Diego on Monday as he announced an accelerated timeline for Australia to receive its own nuclear powered submarines early next decade. Um, what did you make of that announcement? I don't know whether you have very many submarine takes, but I thought it was interesting to see those three together. No, I mean, it's part of this AUKUS, which was announced uh, well over a year ago. It, it's, you know, the submarines are kind of the big flashy part of it. There's all sorts of other defense technology sharing, I think, going on. On the submarines in particular, there won't be any new submarines until like next decade. And so, so there's this, I guess it's three stages they announced yesterday. One is that the U.S. will start having submarines spend more time in Australia and around Australia by 2027, then early 2030s, the the Australians have will buy between three and five U.S. Virginia class submarines, which mm-hmm. the U.S. has to actually make. And you know, it's those are they don't you can't just make them in like a month or a year. It takes a long time. Um, and then there's a new submarine that's being built in part with British technology that will be delivered in sometime in the, two, in the 2040s. Um, so, you know, I, in so many ways, it's it's a it's signal. It's a it's a signal, and the Chinese are very unhappy about it. They're very unhappy that um, there are going to be more nuclear submarines in the region. Um, even though I think last decade the Chinese, I think, were not very good at like anti-submarine warfare. Um, I believe now they're much much better, and so these boats are probably not going to be able to get into like the South China Sea or even around the Taiwan Straits without being picked up pretty quickly. Okay. Um, but the Chinese are very unhappy about this. The Chinese are, um, you know, they're, and there's also because they're nuclear submarines. And I had something in the newsletter yesterday. It's, it's uh, by this sort of nuclear arms expert at the uh, Carnegie Foundation talking about sort of how um, there's an exception to the nonproliferation treaty that allows you to, to um, sell, like, th- theoretically, you can sell like naval reactors, I guess. Um, but it hasn't been done before. And so the Chinese are sort of re- trying to rally the cause in the region about how the U.S. and Australia and U.K. are violating the non-proliferating treaty and proliferating nuclear material into into Oceania and into, uh. into Asia, Asia Pacific, uh, Southeast Asia. And so um, so we'll see. I mean, I think that, you know, the other thing is, is the PLA is not static. And so the People's Liberation Army Navy can probably float a lot more nuclear submarines than this program will in the next 10 to 15 years. Right. Um, and so it's not clear what the world or the region will look like by the time these boats are actually in the region. Um, so, but I think it's, it's more sort of trying to signal this, this quote unquote resolve for, for what it's worth. Um, you know, more, more broadly though, I think it's just another sign of how um, we, between what's happening in Europe and, you know, what's going on in Asia, we're just, we're in a whole nother new round of a big arms race. 
Yeah. Well, and there's also, you know, between this story and Germany and its potentially evolving stance on Huawei, it's an element that I should have mentioned in the last podcast where we were talking about DC consensus and the dangers of groupthink. There is an international component to all this where it's not as if everyone in D.C. is unique. Like there are all sorts of other countries that are grappling with these issues and evaluating their approach to China. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole D.C., you know, Japan. Talking about, I mean, totally. It's It's very like American and, you know, myopic to think that we are the ones who dictate this entire global dynamic when in reality, all these countries are reaching their own conclusions in some ways. All right, and that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive full episodes of this show, you can do that in two ways. First, you can go to Sinicism.com and sign up for Bill's newsletter, which will also give you access to all of our Sharp China shows. Or if you want to receive all our Sharp China episodes, along with daily analysis of the tech business from Ben Thompson, several other podcasts about technology, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come, you can click the link in your show notes and subscribe to Stratechery Plus. 